As we continue our series on overcoming, uh, we have talked about overcoming fears, overcoming worries and troubles, all in the name of Jesus, because we know that in him we have overcome, because he says, in this world you're going to have trouble, you're going to have sorrow, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. And that's where we, we take hold of that promise. I remember like it was yesterday. And I can still see, if I close my eyes, I can still picture just the amazing hills and the small mountains and looking out at just the beauty. And then I remember just that feeling, a little anxious and a little excitement of the task that was ahead of us. See, we were in Honduras and we were partnering with, a, with an organization called Mission Lazarus. And they were having us build a security wall all around their trade school. And this was a huge wall. And so we started to mix and pour and brick by brick. We built this amazing wall. I mean, amazing for amateurs and with the hundreds there, make sure we did it right. But this amazing wall, you know, and looking back and seeing the pride in our teenagers by just the work they put in there. And tonight, we're going to be dealing with maybe instead of putting bricks up, taking bricks down one at a time. Or maybe tonight, that it may be the Holy Spirit comes and takes a wrecking ball to our hearts to get rid of some of the prejudices and some of the discord and some of the things that, that cause us to be separated from the love of Christ, the things that divide us instead of unite us. Sometimes I think, man, wouldn't it just be easier if God's church, in the sense of his kingdom church at large, the overall universal church, not just here at Preston Crest, but in the sense of God's church, if we all looked the same or if we all acted the same, if we all had the same thoughts and opinions, wouldn't it just be easier? I mean, if we all thought the same on politics or sports or ultimately how we do Sunday mornings and live together in unity, wouldn't it just be easier? <laughs> but God's family is not that way. It is made up of a vast and wonderful variety of races and languages and denominations and opinions. We're not alike. And God made each of us different and unique. But make no mistake, God has created every individual in his image. In fact, when I struggle with people because of a prejudice that I have, I have to remind myself that I'm called to be with them in heaven forever. If I can't love people who are different from me here on earth, how can I be with them for eternity? How can I love them as Jesus loves them? In fact, Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says this, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. 
They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And that's the picture I want to keep in my mind, in the forefront of my mind, as I strive to love people as Jesus loves people. What if our churches could look like this, to have people of all kinds of differences come together in unity under the authority of Jesus and led by the Spirit so much that we are united as one despite our differences? knowing that our God reigns and his glory is shown and we're able to unite together and praise for him because of the power of the cross, because of Jesus. But why is it? Why is it so hard for us to get along with everyone? Why is it hard for us to love everyone equally? See, maybe you're like, well, I love everyone, but do you love them equally? God has called us to be like him and love the way that he loves, where we don't see skin color, we don't see age or other prejudices that distract us from the beauty of the human spirit that God has created. Why do we struggle at times to see that God has created everyone equally? <laughs> there were these two apples sitting in a tree. And they're looking down on the world, and, and the first apple says, man, look at these people fighting, robbing and rioting, and no one seems willing to get along with his fellow man. The apple says, someday we'll be the only ones left, and then we'll rule the world. And the other apple looks at the, the one talking, and he says, which one of us, the reds or the greens? You see, even the apples struggle of being one. Paul talks about how we are all equal in Christ Jesus. In Galatians 3, 26 through 29, he says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Man, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound so affirming? We are one. That we all have the same promise to take hold of eternal life in Jesus Christ. So what is prejudice? Prejudice is an effective feeling towards a person um, or a group member based solely on their group membership. The word is often referred to as a preconceived, usually unfavorable feeling toward a people or a person because of their gender or their beliefs, their values, their social class, their age, their disability, their religion or sexuality, their race or ethnicity, language, nationality, their beauty or lack thereof, their occupation, their education, criminality or their sports team affiliation or other personal characteristics. In this case, imagine if God did not have the power to free us of our prejudices and our disunity, we as Gentiles or non-Jewish people would not be Christians today. We would not know the love of God. God had to tear down the walls of hurt and prejudice and discord 
for the gospel to go to all nations. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10 tonight, if you want to be turning over there, as we see that God is proclaiming salvation is for all who call on the name of Jesus. So here's how the story starts in Acts chapter 10, verses 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So what's going on here? The story takes place in Caesarea, which is the center of Roman rule for that province. It's your typical Greco-Roman city that it has its theater, it has its amphitheater, it also has a temple dedicated to Caesar. There were more Gentiles than Jews in this city, so there was a lot of friction between the Jewish and Gentile people. Cornelius is described as a Roman army officer, <laughs> so you could imagine that many of his friends and, and fellow officers or those underneath him thought how much better, he probably had to hear how much better the Roman nation was than the Jewish people living around him. So he had, maybe had to overcome this sense of pride or, or feeling better than the Jews because he was Roman. However, it was said that he was a God-fearing, devout man, as was his entire household that he gave generously to the poor, and that he prayed regularly to God. So we can see that he is a man that allowed God to come into his life. And he's passed on his, his faith to his family, as it talks about his whole family being God-fearing. And he shows his faith by what? By his good deeds. I think the problem still is that he has to overcome the barrier of not being Jewish. Although he's respected among the Jews, as we read, but is salvation really for him? And he being an officer, a Roman officer, does he really need help from, a na from someone from a nation that is lesser than the Roman nation? Can he overcome that hurdle? How can he and Peter get over these differences of being Jew and Gentile? I love this story about uh, a school teacher named Dottie Gadiant. She says, it says that she's been teaching for 13 years and decided one summer, I'm going to go travel across America and see the sites that I've been teaching my students about. So she got, on, got in her truck and loaded up a camper behind her, hitched it up and, and started out. And she's traveling alone. One afternoon, she's rounding the curve on I-5 near Sacramento in rush hour traffic. And she hears, and her water pump goes out. She's alone, she's tired, exasperated, scared. But in spite of the traffic jam, she notices no one's stopping to help me. So she leans against her trailer and just starts to pray, please God, send me an angel, preferably one with mechanical experience. <laughs> Within four minutes, 
a huge Harley drives up, ridden by this enormous man, supporting long black hair and a beard, okay, it's not me, and tattooed arms. With an incredible air of confidence, he jumps off his Harley, and without even looking at Dottie, opens the trunk and just starts going to work. Or the hood, and starts going to work. Sorry. He wouldn't, be, he wouldn't know what he was doing if he was in the trunk, especially if it was a truck. Um, within a few minutes, he flags down this other large truck, and he tows it, and they get, this, get her truck off of the, of the highway so that he can finish his work, and he goes to work on this water pump. The intimidated school teacher says she was dumbfounded. She was too dumbfounded to talk, especially when she read the paralyzing words on the back of his leather jacket, Hell's Angels, California. As he finished his task, she finally got the courage to say, thank you so much. They had a brief conversation, noticing just the surprised look on her face and the way she was kind of very standoffish. He looks at her as he's about to ride off and says, don't judge a book by its cover. You may not know who you're talking to. With that, he smiled, closed the hood of the truck, got on his Harley with a wave. He was gone as fast as he appeared. You know, if we give people just half a chance, they're going to crawl out of the boxes that we've relegated them to. So how did Peter overcome these prejudices to the Gentiles? You know, it was thought that the Jewish nation was God's people, that his salvation was for them alone. I think Peter, the first thing he does is he makes himself available to the Spirit. He makes himself available for the Lord to speak to him. In Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16, it says, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down with four, by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And the voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. <coughs> Peter was someone that you can tell was in a relationship with God. It wasn't just a religion. It was a relationship. It was a conversation between him and the Lord. I think if we're going to overcome the prejudices in our life, we must pour into that relationship with our God. You cannot become what you know nothing about. Growing up, <laughs> my mom will get a kick out of this. She's right here. Growing up, the phrase in our household was always, what would Jesus do? So anytime I had a struggle or I was angry or I was upset or I had to make a big decision, my mom would say, what would Jesus do? And there were times in my frustrations that I would say, I don't know. He's not here right now. The sad truth of that statement is, I may have been telling the truth. 
Not that Jesus himself was not in my presence in that very room trying to speak truth into me, but I was so distant in my relationship, I couldn't see or hear him. So the question is, are we pouring into our relationship with him? We tell our students all the time, if you claim to be a Christian, you're claiming to be like Christ. But if you're not spending time with him, speaking and listening, if you're not in his word, if you're not around the community of believers that are helping you grow in your faith, how can you know him? So when my mom asked me, what would Jesus do? And I couldn't answer. I knew one thing was true. I needed to get back into that relationship with him so I could know when that question comes again, I know how to answer that. I know what would Jesus would do because I'm in a relationship with him. And I know what he wants for me. Peter knows that in order for him to be obedient to the Lord, in order for him to serve and to love God, it meant he must spend time with him every day. I know Peter relied on the Lord all day long. And just like a lot of times, people will say, wow, I, I pray throughout my day, I pray throughout my day. But one of the things that we see in this story is not only did Peter rely on the Lord constantly when he was healing people and when he was getting thrown in prison, but he also carved out time each day to spend with the Lord, to let the Spirit speak to him. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of my heroes. And I think about the days many times when I feel like I'm so busy. Do I have time to carve out time for the Lord? I mean, I have so much to do. Have you ever had those days where you wake up and your to-do list, you're like, there's no way I'm getting through this. How do I start out? How, where, where am I going to put God in this day? And so when I think about that, I love to think about the time that, that Dr. King was, was interviewed. And they said, okay, so Dr. King, you spent three hours in quiet time with the Lord every day. And he said, yes. And they said, well, but some of, your, some of your rallies started really early. What did you do on those days? He said, yeah, on the days that, that I had to start earlier, I got up three hours earlier and I put that time in with the Lord. See, he knew that he had to rely on the Lord's strength each day. It couldn't be about him. It had to be the Lord to get him through each day. We cannot get through our prejudices if we're not spending time with the source of our strength, our hope, our peace, the source of our love, and the source of ultimately our life. If we're not pouring into that relationship, we're not getting what we need. People are just seeing us. That's not enough. Next, Peter went against his upbringing in everything he had been taught when he invites these men into his home. You see, Jews did not associate with Gentiles. They especially did not host them in their homes. To invite someone into your home in the Eastern world is saying, you are a welcome guest. You are welcome here in this place. Let's read in Acts 10, 21 through 23, as we see the story unfolding. It says, when Peter went down and said, I am the man you are looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed to summon you to the house so that 
He can hear your message. So when Peter invited the men to stay for the night, the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. So the second thing we're learning in this story about how God can tear down walls of prejudice in our hearts is that we have to start seeing others through his eyes. We've got to see people through God's eyes. We must love people unconditionally, not because of what others can do for us or what they look like or their potential, because God created us all different. So we should love people for who they are and nothing else. God created us with all different skin types. God created different languages and tribes. Some of us have type A personalities. Some are introverts. Some are extroverts. Some people choose not to cheer for the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're crazy, but God loves them too. There are so many unfair stereotypes in our world that limit people's potential because of some of the outward appearances or maybe inward preferences. I'm not saying you have to agree with everyone on everything, but we're called to love people where they are. We are called to see people as Jesus sees them. Finally, Peter went and gave the gospel to the Gentiles. Salvation was thought to be for God's people only. Now God was saying, when I told Abraham that his family would be a blessing to all nations, this is what I meant. God's hope and eternal life is for Jews and Gentiles. It's for all nations. Let's read the rest of the story in Acts 10, 39 through 48. It says, And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. So this is Peter preaching the gospel message to Cornelius and his family. He says, Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell uh, upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed at the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard him speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. See, Peter is showing that the gospel is more important than his prejudices. God has called both Jew and Gentile to the cross. That in the name of Jesus, every nation, every tribe, Jew and non-Jew, is invited to the eternal banquet. God loves Gentiles as much as he loves Jews. So where are you? Where am I? Where do we struggle to love people unconditionally? To see people through the eyes of the Creator. If we do not love people as our Lord loves people, we're putting our preferences or our prejudices above our calling to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Luther King Jr. also says, he said this, he says, I have a dream 
that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by their color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Look at our nation now. How are we as Christians making a difference? It's sad, it's sad that we still live in a world that we can't get past our prejudices to see the inner soul of a man and a woman. I remember thinking for a while that as Christians, or maybe even as a nation, <coughs> we were taking a step forward in reconciliation and love and acceptance of all people, but it seems like every time we take a step forward, we take steps backwards. I wish I could tell you that that once you overcome your prejudices that you may struggle with now, that they're gone for good. But we have an enemy. And Satan wants to come and kill and steal and destroy. He wants to destroy us. He wants to keep our focus on ourselves and not on God's kingdom in the expansion of God's kingdom. You see, Peter himself fell back into this prejudice trap. As we see in Galatians 2, 11 through 13. It says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to pose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of, G of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. The great thing is Peter had someone to call him back, right? We must battle daily to love as Jesus loves. That's why the first point that we learned in the story of Peter is so important, that we must spend time daily pouring into that source of strength, that hope of salvation, so that we know who we are. The more time we spend with the Maker, the more we will become the created we were made to be. We must also have other disciples around us, like Peter had Paul, that reminded him of the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ and whose we are and who is called to be God's children. It's okay to notice our differences. It's okay to get frustrated and annoyed at times, but we have to move past our prejudices to celebrate a wonderful God that created a world with so much variety, but not just variety in, in landscapes and climates, but also in people that he put here to reflect his glory. Tonight, it's time for us to repent of our prejudices, to give those to God so that we can become more like Him and in turn call people to the source of life and to God's kingdom. If you're holding on to things that are keeping you from seeing people as God sees people, tonight, start taking those down brick by brick or let the Spirit come in and just blow those away. Because... God's kingdom is too important. The gospel message is too valuable, too important for us not to be able to love as Jesus loves. However you need to respond tonight, if you would, respond now as we stand and sing.